Hello, CCB family. Uh, our reading this morning is from Peter's first letter, chapters 1 and 2. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Asia Minor, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as so sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which, we, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of the visitation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. so great to have Kote with us this morning and, and all of you, wherever you are, it's neat to see people as they come on the Facebook page and we can see that you've joined in, um, especially when you identify that to others. Hey, this morning we're continuing to look at the life of Peter, except now we're moving into 1 Peter. And over the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be in 1 Peter for three weeks and then finish off in 2 Peter. So just remember what's happened over the past few years in Peter's life. Well, we're now many years past that, but in the early years of Peter's life, he meets Jesus. His entire life is thrown upside down. He thinks one thing is going to happen and something entirely different happens. The one that he has come to give his life to dies on a cross. He has abandoned Jesus, denied knowing him. And then a few days later, Jesus is risen and Jesus forgives him. And then a few weeks after that, the Holy Spirit falls on Peter and he becomes a leader of the church, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And he deals with all sorts of trials and persecution. The guy who was afraid of a servant girl is now not afraid to be arrested, beaten, even killed. And so Peter led the church in Jerusalem and then spent years as they had to spread out, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ throughout Galilee and eventually towards the ends of the earth. The letter that we're reading today, or that we began reading today, is 1 Peter. And it is the letter that Peter writes from Rome, probably in prison, to churches in Asia Minor. And we get a description at the beginning of who he's writing to and why. He, he calls them the chosen people of God. 
And this is a transformation in Peter's mind because he's writing primarily to Gentiles. A few years earlier, he wasn't willing to call anyone outside of Judaism part of the people of God. Now he says, you are the chosen people of God living in exile. And during your time of exile, he says, I want you to be holy and I want you to be hopeful and I want you to be humble even as you suffer. And this morning, we're looking just at a portion of that before we get a chance to hear from Kote. So the first thing I want us to see is that this letter is primarily to what Peter describes as exiles in verse one. And in another portion that we didn't read, it says, in your time of exile. And then in verse 11 uh, of chapter two, Peter says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, as strangers and aliens, as exiles and immigrants. And the commentators make this clear that you're not supposed to figure out what's the difference between these. It's a common idea that Peter is using in a sense metaphorically, but it's really to understand that it's to think of yourself as an immigrant, somebody living in a country that is not your country. A resident alien or an expat also works in that same uh, vein. And when you are in another country, in another culture, you see the differences right away. You begin to identify what's unique about your own country of origin and what's unique about the country that you've entered. Most of you know that for a couple of years, uh, more than a decade ago, my family and I lived in England. And England and America are very, very similar, except not at all. And you don't realize this until you live there for a while. It's even the small things like this. Um, the shoes and pants that I wore made me look like an American. And similarly, the shoes that English men wore, whether they were dress shoes or athletic shoes, were the sort that I would never wear unless I was trying to dress up for a party and look funny. And the pants that they wore, I would generally wear khakis. Nobody in England wore khakis at that time. And a lot of the men wore, well, dude capris. I don't know what you would call them, those pants. Well, they, they were the sort of thing where I knew right away that guy's English and I'm not. And they knew right away, oh, that guy's probably an American. Things that stand out aren't just the clothes, but it's the accent, right? And it's the cultural way of approaching things. And I knew pretty quickly that I did not fit in quite right. I sort of spoke the same language, but enough things were off. And in that time, I began to reflect on my own culture and on the English culture a little differently. But the strange thing about what Peter is saying when he says to you exiles and sojourners is that the people he's writing to were not technically exiles or immigrants. They were people who had grown up in Asia Minor, what is modern day Turkey, and he's writing to specific cities in Asia Minor, and the people who live there are from those cities. They probably lived there their whole lives. Their grandparents probably lived there or died there. So they were in the city of their birth, most of them. And some of them would even have had Roman citizenship, which means they would have had access to the rights of people who lived in that part of the world. So what is he getting at when he says that you are exiles? Well, I think we have to recognize what Peter is suggesting is this. All Christians, 
wherever they live, all Christians are always exiles and aliens. We are not truly citizens of even the nation we're citizens of compared to our citizenship in heaven or with God. And I think what Peter's getting at is that your main cultural identity should not be an ethnicity or a nation or even a citizenship. It should be a follower of Christ. And that's always going to make you feel a little bit like an alien or an exile in the culture in which you live. And I know for many of you right now, that feels very clear because there have been cultural shifts, current cultural shifts. The trajectory of cultural change has been dramatic and fast in the West and in the world. And I think many of you feel a little bit uncertain. It's especially true now that you feel very alien, like I'm not living in the country that I grew up in. But when Peter is talking about being aliens and exiles, he doesn't just mean that your country has changed, the one that you're living in physically, but our cultural identity needs to be so bound up in Christ that regardless of where we live or what's happening in the culture around us, it's always true that we don't fit in, not fully at least. So (laughs) there should be no time in the past or the present when you feel fully at home wherever you live. That's something of what Peter's saying. He's basically saying this, our true home is not here. So you may be an American who lives in America, but this is not your true home. To follow Christ is to live in exile today, in the 1950s, in America, or anywhere in the world. And so the question is this, how do we live in exile? How do we live in exile? I've got three D's for you this morning. One is, I think we are called to live different. Uh, Yeah, I'm used to my slides up on the screen at Madison, so I've got some slides for you today, old school type. We are to live as different people. In chapter one, uh, we didn't read this, but Peter emphasizes the holiness of God and how God's people are meant to be holy, which means set apart. And effectively, it means to be set apart for God and God's purposes, that we follow him. And as a result, we look different. And Peter is talking about what he goes on to say is you are a distinct people, a chosen people, a new nation. So regardless of whether you're a Roman citizen or in our context, an American citizen, you are now the people of God first. That is your primary identity and loyalty. It is to Christ. And you are being built up as God's building. You are being put together as God's nation. And we are called then to live as a nation within the nation that we're dwelling in or as one preacher calls it, an alternative city within whatever city you live in. We are together and individually supposed to be an alternative community, an alternative community that has a different set of goals and priorities and values than the culture around us. The things that we are after 
and we're espousing and we're demonstrating are called to be different. Now, there'll be times when that overlaps with the culture, but our primary loyalty and identity is an in-Christness that sets us apart. And in that sense, it's different. But in order to be different, we have to have discernment. Ah, number two. So you can't just be different if you can't discern what the differences are. One of the biggest weaknesses in Christianity today, at least in the West that I see, is an inability to discern the culture around us, the ways of the land in which we live. And that takes work. That takes work to be able to look at the culture and not just feel negatively about it because it's not like what it looked like 20 years ago or 40 years ago, but to identify what is good and bad in the culture of the moment. David Kinneman, uh, who's the head of the Barna Group, wrote a book called Faith for Exiles. If you're looking for August reading, uh, pick up Faith for Exiles. It's looking at uh, faithfulness amongst those under age 35, which is in America where people have largely left the church. The ones who are most faithful, what is it that makes them distinct and different? And he, in talking about discerning culture, says we need to ask questions like this. Do I understand my relationship as a Christian to the culture around me? Do I know how to reflect on and respond to the culture? Do I understand my identity apart from the culture around me? And am I driven by a fear of the culture around me? Do I see how Jesus enters even this culture to meet people where they are? And do I understand my role in representing Jesus in my context, in my workplace, in my community, in my relationships? Am I discerning the culture around me? But the other great deficit that we often have as Christians is that in order to discern the difference between the cultural moment that we're in and the culture of being in Christ and God's people, we have to understand the scriptures. If we don't know God's word, and what he says, who he is, what he's calling us to, what it looks like to follow him, we're gonna have a hard time distinguishing what's good and what's bad about the world around us, the things that need to be celebrated and the things that need to be challenged. We are called to be different, but in order to be different, we have to have discernment. Why do we have to do both of these things? Because ultimately, God calls us, even as exiles, and Peter does here, to make a difference. So it's not just to be different and discern what's wrong, but it's to make a difference. You know, the Old Testament has uh, stories of people who were sojourners and immigrants and exiles. Abraham was called out of his nation of birth to be an essentially his whole life to be a non-resident alien, an immigrant, a sojourner, to make an impact on the land that he was called to. The story of Joseph is one of being kidnapped by his brothers, sold into slavery, imprisoned in Egypt, but then rising up to being a chief official in a pagan Egyptian culture where he made a dramatic impact, not just for his own people, but also for the saving of the Egyptians during a time of famine. Esther was a, a queen in a foreign and pagan land who remained faithful to God, but also acted with discernment and wisdom and put her life at risk in her role. 
Daniel, similarly, was taken into exile. He was literally stolen from the land of his birth, taken into exile, and yet remained faithful to God, was able to distinguish where he could celebrate the culture around him and how he was to live into it as a high official, as a cupbearer to the king, uh, somebody in the, in the courtroom of the king. And it gives us this vision of the sort of ways to make a difference. It's what Jesus was calling the disciples to when he said, come follow me, but he didn't then take them out to go just live in a cave. He brought them to himself in order to teach them what it is to live in the kingdom of God, to live in this upside down world where the values of, of his kingdom were completely different than the values of the religious leaders or the Romans, of the rich or of the poor. His values were one of an eternal mind where the humble are in and the proud are out, where what matters is serving God and giving yourself for others, not winning and succeeding. And today we're called into the same thing. In our identity and in our vocations, and that doesn't mean that you go into ordained ministry or into missions, but simply that wherever you are, God has called you to make a difference in the work you do and relationships you have. And that means in this culture, we don't fear the culture or hide from it, we discern it against scripture. Understand how we are called to be different. Understand what needs to be confronted in our culture or celebrated. What good things are happening even outside of Christianity that we can build on? And how are we to make a difference in God's kingdom in this place right now, even as exiles and aliens? And our starting point for all of this is not go and just you know earn your way into being really good at all of this. It is a starting place of resting in our chosenness and lovedness, if you would. In chapter two, verse nine, Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession, for a purpose that you might proclaim the excellencies of God to those around you. The starting place is there in chapter one, verse three, when Peter says, blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. God gives you deep, deep value in choosing you and loving you, not on the basis of something you've done. And in an eternal assurance that no matter what happens, God is with you and God is for you. And from that starting place, we are free to live in exile, to live different with discernment, making a difference. Whether we live in our home country or a different country, because wherever we are, we will be exiles, called to faithfulness. And on that, I wanna invite our good friend Kote in because Kote is a story over the past five years of walking in that sort of life. She is from Chile, but has entered America to live out her faithfulness in this current, in this particular culture, ministering to 
young women and to families of who are mostly immigrants living in a second culture themselves. So let's bring Kote on for a little conversation about what God has done in her life over the past couple of years. So, Kote, it's so good to see you, and we're here to celebrate what God has done in your life over the past couple of years, but also with sadness, because your time with us is nearing an end. Mm -hmm. um, you uh, are heading back to be with your family, uh, probably at the beginning of next month. Mm -hmm. Your family, most of your family lives in Brazil right now, or half of your family does. Yeah. <laughs> even your mom is going to be there, your sister and her mm -hmm. family, even though you're from Chile but you're gonna to go to be with your family for the first time. So are you? how are you feeling about that, about getting to live with your family yeah. after maybe not being with them for several years? Yeah, well, so I've been five, it's been five years since I left Chile for the first time, but it's been six years without my sister. And, and it's been great to leave everything and come and, and serve the Lord and see how God is moving here. It's been amazing to see that, but also now I feel like this calling to be back with my family, to to go and, and be with them, spend some time with them, more than just a couple of days that it was normally for me, like just spending like two weeks a year. Mm -hmm. So so I think it's time to, to be a little more with them. So I have like this bittersweet mm -hmm. <laughs> feeling because it's like, I love this place, I love all of you and, and it's hard to leave, but also I really miss my family and I think it's gonna be a, a great time to, to be in community with them. And Let's go back. I want to go back in your life mm -hmm. and walk through a few things yeah. over the past couple of years because some people have joined the church over the past year or two or maybe they just don't even know some of the mm -hmm. things that have happened in your life and how yeah. you served in this community. Take me back even before coming from Chile to the U.S. Um, you, did, you said you didn't grow up in a home that, that had Christianity as a major mm -hmm. part of it. What influenced mm -hmm. you or drew you to Christ and about how old were you at the time? Yeah. So I went with, uh, to a Catholic church with my family, with my parents, my mom, dad, my sister. They got divorced when I was 12 and I started being really rebellious. I had a really different character that I have today, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and then when I was 19, I went to college and I was like going crazy in my life, like trying to live my life the way that I thought it was the best. And I was invited to this retreat and I went there, I was like serving and doing all these things and I saw a video and it was just like a song showing the images of the Passion of Christ and, and, and I just had the question like who could, who could have done uh, that for me, like who could have died for me and I was thinking like I never felt lo loved, I feel so rejected by so many different people that I was like why, like where does this love come from? So in that moment, I was like, I'm done. Like, Lord, take my whole life, do whatever you want, I'm here. So that, and, and then the next day I went to church and I was like, okay, Lord, let's start this. I don't know how to start it, but let's do it. And it was not easy because my family was like, you're fanatic. And I'm like, because Jesus is worthy to be fanatic. <laughs> but, but it was great, like that journey of like growing and, and I was studying civil engineer by that time. So then I, I started like ministry in, in college and at church I, I, I became like a youth leader and I was like, this is what I love to share about like Jesus. 
And you didn't know where that was going to take you, for sure, at that no. point. But you said, here I am, Lord. So yeah. he actually answered you. So after college, um, after your time in university, you were in Santiago, uh, part of a church there. Mm -hmm. And Rod Nunez took the first trip from Christ Church Vienna yeah. down to Santiago yeah. to be a part of the week of mission that happens in Santiago. And he brought with him a team that it was just, a, it was a small group of, um, of high school boys, yeah. uh, Riley Whistler and Andrew Savoya and Danny, I think was Grace a part Rancic. of that. Grace yeah. Rancic was a yeah. part of that. Justin, Justin um, Witterman. So when you first met them and him, like what were, what were your impressions of these these guys? Yeah, so I was a youth leader by, by that time. And my pastor, he knew Rod, because Rod is from Chile, if you didn't know that. <laughs> so they knew each other and he was like, oh, do you know somebody that can help us with the missions and the ministry here for, for those two weeks? And they asked me and I'm like, yeah, sure. And I thought I like spoke English, but I, I studied in an American school just till fifth grade and then I never saw English again and I'm like of course I speak English. <laughs> when they got there I was like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I couldn't speak at all. But it was really fun and they were like trying to be Chileans in their way like to say hi, hugging people but it was still like kind of awkward <laughs> but it was really fun. And that was my last year of college. I was. Uh, I, I just had left one more semester, so it was really fun to do mission trip with them and take them to a mall that it was like a street evangelism and they're like, what do we do talking to people in the streets? <laughs> but, but that was fun and when I took them to the airport, I'm like, okay, bye, see you. And I walk and I walk to my car and I'm like, I'll never see them again. Like, I'm not gonna go to a little town called Vienna in the US. I've never traveled to the US and they're never gonna come back like it's too much and after six months that i graduated from civil engineer i started praying like lord what do you want me to do now like do you want me to study more to do ministry to to work as an engineer and i was praying for four years uh, for four days and suddenly when i was coming back from my work because i was working at that time i received this email from rod and he was like, go there, we're, we're looking for someone that could come and do like this pilot project. Uh, are you wanting to come? And I'm like, I'm there. Wow. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. I actually didn't know all of those stories, even yeah. that you were seeking God and then Rod sent an email. I remember yeah. him talking about the pilot program. Um, when you first came to Vienna, um, what was most challenging and exciting during those first mm -hmm. uh, few months that you were here? Because you were only yeah. here for a window of a six, six months, months yeah. right? What was most yeah. challenging or exciting? So let me start for the challenging because it was the most difficult part. I think just leaving my family and friends because I was like, like as a youth leader, I was like with all these friends, like, and and we gather in my house every we weekend. So it was like a bunch of friends, and I came here. And like there was nobody my age and I'm like oh my goodness what am I gonna do like I I love families I love moms and I love kids but I was like I also like feel that I needed that like community my age and I couldn't find it and I think that was like hard like Friday night I was like reading a book in my bed like oh my goodness this is so silent like <laughs> I need to like do something go out talk with friends I don't know so so I think that was super challenging for me and what it was more exciting 
I think it was overcoming my fear because I didn't had like any control of anything and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just like day by day asking the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do now? And I was like, okay. And God opened the doors of the school and I, we started like tutoring and we started like meeting these families and, and it was like step by step. So that was exciting, challenging, but exciting. And so then you were here for six months, then you had to go back for maybe like six months mm -hmm. or maybe a little longer. And then you came back for a year. A year, yeah. Um, during that following year, you began to really deepen relationships mm -hmm. um, with the Latino community, uh, yeah. mostly first generation people who had come to the U.S. Mm -hmm. more recently, um, Latino immigrants, the teenagers and uh, and some of their families. Um, what what surprised you maybe about that culture of I think it was mostly Hon, uh, Salvadorans and Hondurans, yeah. not Chileans, even though you spoke Spanish, similar to when I was yeah. in England, what was different about their culture? What are some of the things that you needed to learn about them yeah. that were different than your own experience as a Chilean woman? Yeah, well, e even though they speak Spanish, it was totally different. Mm -hmm. And so I was like trying to learn like these both cultures, like American and Latinos, and I didn't belong to anyone. So I was like, this is hard. I don't know how to react in these situations, how they treat each other. Because, wait, say that again. You were, so you had to learn American culture yeah. and Latino Central yeah, yeah. American culture because you were from neither. You were neither yeah. from America nor used to that Central American yeah. culture. Okay. Yes, yeah, so you had to learn that. So it was really hard trying to learn these like two cultures. And so I think what really surprised me is the way that Latinos come to the U.S. because I, I was not aware of it. So they come by like land, they can buy train or like bus, walking in desert, like go through so many different things and they can get deported in the middle of that. So when they arrive here, a lot of times like the mom had come 15 years before. So they left the kids like four years old. And then when the kid is 10 or 15 years old, they come. So they have never lived with this mom. So they're like, getting to know like this new family, but they're like with their family, but they left family in, in Honduras. So it's like all this brokenness of like a lot of abandoned and like hurt that they have like in their hearts. So I think that reality was really hard for me to, to see. And also like the way they work, cause they have like two, three jobs and they work like five in the morning till like midnight. And it's like a lot of work just to like survive in this country cause it's not easy. And and the language barrier it's really hard like for the students like when they just arrive here they go to school they don't understand what like the teachers are saying they don't understand the culture they don't understand the way they 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 move or do things so so i think that was really um interesting for me to understand to to see the culture and learn how they how they they work they treat each other they gather as families yeah wow that's um I, I remember you telling those stories and you and Rod um, interviewing some students just mm -hmm. to hear some of those stories. And I think I knew about them vaguely, but hearing them from you really brought home the challenges yeah. that people had come, were going through and you ministering to some of those girls mm -hmm. that and families that had were dealing with such emotional brokenness and so many scars mm. there was just a lot of healing that needs to happen in yeah. people's lives and you had to step into that mm -hmm. 
as a counselor, as a friend, as a minister of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly weighty to do that. It's, it's hard. It takes uh, mm -hmm. a toll on you. You ended up, because of some of the visa issues with having you here, needing to go back to Chile for a while while we were uh, getting qualifications mm -hmm. to be able to bring you and, and eventually Jorge mm -hmm. back. But during that season when you um, left the U.S. for Chile, you didn't actually go to Chile. You went to Argentina. Yes. For a, to a mission school there. Yeah. How did that time, that season, I think it was a half a year? It was a whole year. Oh, it was a whole year. Yeah. My goodness, a whole year without Cote was not good for us. Um, during that time at that mission school, how did that stretch you, challenge your faith, deepen you, yeah. anything along those lines? Yeah. Just, I wanted to say before that, it, it was really a gift from God that year because I really needed it. Because I think here in America and myself too, we're really good doers. So it's like we need to do this. Okay, let's do it. Da, 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 da. We go and do everything. But sometimes we we neglect or not take good care of our personal time with the Lord. So I think that was like the one most important thing that I learned that it was like I cannot go and do something if I have not spent like time with the Lord or like deepening my relationship with him. So, so many times, and this is what I want to challenge you, CCV, is like so many times we want to do something for others, but I think the most important thing is to spend time with the Lord, because there is when, where God is going to give us direction of what to do and what to say, and we'll be sensitive to God's voice to know what to say and, and where to go. Because if not, we're just like doing, like doing and doing and doing, but it's like we are just neglecting our relationship with God like we're neglecting the first commandment. Mm. So so I think that was really deep for me because there was like so much ministry and like all these stories like never finished. Like there was so many need, like so much need and I was like, okay, let's go. And suddenly I was like, I'm tired, I'm burned out. Why? Why? Like why ministry is like that? I didn't thought. Mm. And then I was like, oh, cause I've been neglecting my personal time with the Lord. And that's the one thing that now I'm like, I have so many things to do, but I'm like, I'm not leaving my house, even though if it's late and I'm not doing something, I'm not leaving my house before I st like spend my time with the Lord, because that's like what give me direction and guidance for the day. And so that probably really changed when you did come back and you and Jorge uh, joined us um, uh, within a few weeks of each other, I think. But when you came back, do you feel like you approached doing the mission and ministry that you were doing before differently as a result of that? Yeah, totally different. Yeah. So the word that God gave me, it was to be intentional. So it's to be intentional in the way that I seek Him and to be intentional in the way that I talk to others. So so every time that I like met with someone, I was like praying before and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? Like, what what's the need? And sometimes I just like met with one of the girls and I'm like, okay, how are you doing? And they're like, um, and they don't want to tell me that much. And then I'm like, cause I've been praying and I, I really believe that God says that, that, that. And I start just like sharing what God has been speaking to me. And they're like, oh my goodness. Okay. Let me tell you what happened. Mm. <laughs> so I think that was like so key cause it, it was just like to be intentional, like in my personal time with the Lord. And it came like with so much fruit. Mm. I think so much, so many of us can learn from that, regardless of whether you're doing mission and ministry, mm -hmm. that we approach work, or we approach going to be with family, or walking out the door to take the dog on a walk. Seeking the Lord gives us that discernment so we can enter spaces, whether it's a gathering of friends, 
or the office or interacting with people mm -hmm. in the right uh, posture yeah. where we're fed by God and able to look out differently. Mm -hmm. That's that's really yeah. good. Yeah, because sometimes we just try in our own strength yeah. and that's when it, we burned out. So, <laughs> so it's like we're trying super hard and it's like, no, no, no. Like God says that he will lead us into green pastures, like he will make us rest. And sometimes when we feel there's a burden, I think that's the moment that I'm like, oh, I've been doing it in my own strength. I need to go back to my first love. That's really good. Thank you, Kote. I have a couple more questions here for you. We could go on forever, but I'm just <laughs> going to give you two more. One is over the past years, whether it's in those first six months or in the past few weeks, what are some encouraging stories or ways that you've seen individuals' lives changed, mm -hmm. blessed, encouraged um, through stuff that you've been able to be a part of here? Yeah. Well, I think my ministry has been more with women. Um, so I've seen more of uh, that. So I've been able to like uh, talk with like all these women and, and kind of do like healing and prayer. Uh, but I think one of the most impactful things for me, uh, it was like one of these students she was really rebellious with her mom and I knew that like and I knew that personally because I I was the same with my mom so I believe that we can just impart or give what we all already are like so I I went through this process of healing with my mom and now I can like give advice to this like younger woman so I was talking with her and I was like well eh, what's the attitude and I'm just like giving advice and talking and that was like the first um, six months that I came and yesterday I met with her and we were talking and about like how life changes our personality and I was like yeah you have changed a lot the last season and she was like the she said the time that I was mo mostly changed it was when I met you because that transformed like the way that I related with my mom and that was so encouraging to hear because like I think one of the things that God had placed in my heart it's how to like how he can be able to restore families to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the children to the parents so so being able to be part of that reconciliation for me is like the best because it's part of your story but it's also mm -hmm. the story of the gospel is that God the father reconciles us to him and yeah. we now have know the loving father we were always meant to know that's so yeah. cool amen <laughs> And I, you know, you have so many stories too. And I like, if, if you have time to talk to Kote at another time, please do. Cause she has seen the lives of many girls and families being transformed. And even now there's been some encouraging things this past week and yeah. this upcoming week. There's been a Latino uh, community retreat that you and Jorge have been running. Yeah, that's been uh, amazing. High school and college, or like, you know, to young adult yeah. students, and then also families coming on mm -hmm. Tuesday. So that's also just an encouraging growth over the past year. Yeah, yeah. Can I tell a little testimony yeah. that it really encouraged my faith about that? So we, we had like this uh, retreat, and we were like sharing the gospel, like uh, praying for people, also having like fun times. And in one part, like, uh, like Jorge shared a message, I was started like praying and ministering to them. And we gave this letter from the Lord. So it was like all scripture. So it was like, I formed you, you're my chosen, my beloved. They were reading all these. And then we said, well, we will start praying as leaders for all the students. And I was praying for one of these girls and she started like crying and crying and crying. 
so after like we finished praying for everyone I was like okay let's talk about what's going on and she said like well I was praying and asking the Lord like why what why you did chose me like why why do you continue to pursue me I don't understand and then uh, she's making all these questions and and she said that when I came to pray I was praying and through my prayer God was answering all her questions so after that I left and I went to pray for another girl and she's like Lord why did you chose me and and she just saw a picture of her dressed like going for the army and she said and and she heard the Lord said because you're part of a um, of my army like you are part of my army and she's like weeping because she's like I feel so weak and I feel not like I haven't done a great job I failed so many times and it's like why and God is saying like because you are part of my army so so I also wanted to encourage you CCV to not be led by your fear or by your weaknesses but know that you are part of God's army and and God has a purpose for each of you so go back to your first love and find out what what's that purpose for your life you know I feel like I I, I want to keep asking you questions, um, but again, like I want to be aware of, of our time here. Um, let me ask one last question, and then I want you to join with me in praying for Kote. If you were to come back in five years mm -hmm. or for ten years, what what might you hope to see, either with some of these individuals or families, or in the Latino community in the Vienna and mm -hmm. Fairfax area in general? What what would yeah. be some of your hopes to see for them? Yeah, so there's a word in Deuteronomy 31.12 that it says, Assemble the people, men, women, children, and foreigners, to listen and learn how to fear the Lord. And that was like the key word that God gave me for all the ministry. And I was like, I'm not going to stop till I see it. Mm. And I saw it. <laughs> so thank you also, CCB, for being part of that. Because we were doing all these like Latino dinners before COVID, of course, not now. <laughs> we're responsible. <laughs> um, so we had like these Latino dinners, and in one specific dinner, we were singing Waymaker. And I just felt the Spirit said, like, open your eyes. And I opened my eyes, and I just saw like this word accomplished. I was like, yeah, these are like men, women, children, and foreigners, like, reunited, like, all together listening the word of the Lord and learning how to fear him and I'm like oh wow that that's amazing to me for me to see that word like literally accomplished there it was amazing so I think if I come back I would love to see how these start like growing and growing in unity and and how like all these young women and men start like growing in the Lord and and I know that that that's gonna happen and so please play, uh, continue to pray for this ministry continue to pray for Jorge I know that he's gonna do an amazing job and I I feel like John the Baptist who prepared the way and now he's like here <laughs> so continue to pray for that and and it's been a blessing for me to be here I know that God not not only has done things through me but in me God has restored me so much the first time he he brought me when I was praying he said I'm gonna take you there to learn how to, uh, to teach you how to be a daughter and I really believe that I, through all these five years I've learned how to be the daughter of the king to run to his arms in every moment to not be afraid of what is like on on the next step because it's like he has cared for me all these years why he's not gonna care for me <laughs> like next year yeah. so yeah That's so good 
Um, Kote, I am so sad uh, that you are going to be leaving this place. I am so grateful for what God has done through you. You have begun a good work that God will continue on. And it is an amazing thing to see the impact. I was walking my dog the other day and ran across one of the girls that you've ministered to and was just thinking her life has been changed because of Kote being in her life mm -hmm. and in a way that I could never have done. And so I am so thankful for your time here. And we are very, very sad that your joy uh, is going to be uh, taken to your family, but also so great, <laughs> glad for you for what that's going to be. So let me pray for Kote. Please, wherever you are, join me in praying for her. And before she uh, leaves in uh, early September, reach out to her um, and, and have a chance to say goodbye and encourage her as well. So let me pray for you, Kote. Lord Jesus Christ, you knew Kote from before time began. And when she was in rebellion and didn't know you and confused, you wrapped your arms around her and said, I love you. I have chosen you. She did not know what that would entail, but God, you have taken her halfway around the world to be your servant. And she has been so faithful. She has been faithful to seek you and to love others. She has been humble and willing and open, open to your spirit, willing to follow your guide and poured herself out for so many people. Thank you, God, for the gifts of the joy that she has inside of her and the power of the spirit moving through her. Even now, Lord, send her out with blessing and release that she would know that her time has come to an end here and she can go in peace, that we love her not nearly as much as you do, but we love her and we want her to go with our joy and our blessing as well. God, we pray for the ministry that she is leaving behind here, the girls and families that she has cared for, that we too would be faithful stewards of what she is entrusting to us as the Lord entrusted it to her. And I pray for Kote, for her restoration with her sister and mom and family, for time of refreshing in her life, for clarity in the months and years moving forward. And for a chance years from now, decades from now, maybe even thousands of years from now for joyful celebration with her in your eternal kingdom. And so into your hands, we give your daughter. May the Lord bless her and keep her and make his face to shine upon her and be gracious to her. Give her his peace that passes all understanding to guard her and lead her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank, thank you. you and thank you, CCB, for being always so welcoming with me. Love you. Thank you, Kote. <laughs>